been six months since I preached, so I guess I can forget something anyway. But nevertheless, it's good to feel the presence of God here today, and uh, I want to share with you what the Lord put on my heart. I've preached this before, been several years back, but I named it then All Aboard, but what I'm going to name it today is Get On Board With God, and that's what we need to do as a church, as a people. Peter said, Second Peter, Peter said, uh, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also been led away with the error of, your, of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Then he gives us an answer. He said, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for your mercy and your grace. We ask, God, that you will anoint your word today. Let it touch the hearts of people, God. Help us, Lord, to draw close to you. And, God, do and be about your business. And we'll give you praise for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name. There was a Indian chief in Canada named Chief Crowfoot. Uh, who gave right away to the uh, Pacific Railroad to cross the Indian land. He was given a lifetime pass to ride the railroad anywhere, anytime that he wanted to. I want you to listen. The ticket was in a metal frame with a chain attached to it, the chief with pride wore it around his neck, but he never rode one time upon the train. He could have crossed Canada and saw all the beautiful sights, but for some reason he never got on the train. And I, my, my message to us today is get on the train. Because a lot of times we find Jesus Christ and he gives us a ticket to go as far in God that we possibly can. But most of the time, we're just satisfied with a ticket and not the train ride. Think about it now. No matter how many times the conductor said, all aboard, no matter, no matter how many times you hear a message or sermon, the chiefs just stood there and watched the train pull out of the station. We may ask, how does this have any effect on us? But, you know, when we're born again, we're also given right to go as far in God as he wants us to. Sometimes we settle for the least when God wants us to have the greatest. Now, I don't know why the chief never experienced that free ride, but doing something he had never done before. You know, I... I've ridden a train one time, and I thought it was a great ride. But I'm here to tell you there's a greater ride, 
And there's a greater train today, and we need to get on board. Hallelujah. We need to get on board and get everything God has for us. One might have fear like he may have had. Fear. You know, fear is something we fight all the time. The devil tries to make us afraid. There's times when God wants to use us maybe to give out a message in tongues and we become afraid to do it. And then he may give somebody the interpretation and they may be afraid to do it. But I'm here to tell you today that I want us as a church to get together. Hallelujah. And get on the train and let's win this community for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? I know what God said to me when he sent me here, and I'll repeat it because some of you might not know, but I walked in my bedroom, and the power of God was so strong that I, I'm here to tell you that I never had felt it like that. Even though I'd been saved, I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, it was entirely different. And God began to talk to me, and he began to show me some things in my life that I needed to get rid of. Come on. I laid across my bed for two hours and wept and cried and repented and done all I could do. But I'm here to tell you that stayed with me for five and one half months. I rode down the road when God was talking to me. He, I, if I had time, I'd tell you a lot of things he said to me to do. But one thing he said to me, I'm sending you to Evangel Assembly of God. I did not know one person in this church. I knew Brother Goins was a pastor, and I'd met him several times, but I didn't know anybody here. And I said, God, I don't know anybody at Evangel. Did you think that changed his mind? Sometimes we want to put up our arguments because we don't see in the future i'm going to tell you we're serving one today that sees the future he knows the past he knows the present and he knows the future and he spoke to me and said i'm sending you to evangel because i'm raising up churches in my life in the last days to get my people ready for my coming and evangel is one of those churches now you wonder why the devil fights us so much he knows what God has ordained for evangel assembly of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we just simply need to get on board with it. And understand it. Got to hunt and see where I was at. Sometimes we... Don't know where it's God speaking to us or not. Sometimes we think it's our own self. But I can tell you in prayer, he'll let you know it's him. The Bible tells us to grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've seen many times in the lives of people who got saved, and enjoyed that wonderful experience. How many knows that you've been born again and how wonderful it was when Jesus washed away your sin? 
Isn't that wonderful? Knowing that our sins was under the blood. But for some people, that's enough for them. They just want to be saved. But I'm telling you, as many of us know, that that's only a starting place. We're just getting started. We have a ticket to go as far as God wants us to go. Hello? We can wear our salvation around our neck like he wore his and never use it. Never let God work in our lives. You say, well, I just don't feel worthy. Tell me who is. I don't know one person that gave their heart to Jesus Christ that was worthy. That's why he died on the cross for our sins. Come on, he paid the price. Come on, you've got a free ticket now. Let's see where it carries us with Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. It may have been that the chief crowfoot didn't get on board because he did not know where the train was going. Well, I'm going to tell you to get on the train, you've got to do it by faith and trust in the engineer who is driving this train, and it ain't me. Hallelujah. It's Jesus Christ. He paid the price. He paid the price for this church and all churches. Now, we may not know where it's going to take us, but I'm going to tell you, wherever it takes you, you will not be disappointed. You say, well, I'm not worthy. Who is? Come on. We're only worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ, and he's filled us with his Holy Spirit, and we forgot about the nine gifts. Hello? I'm going to tell you, I've been praying God would work in our church and move like I've seen him move before. When I first come into Pentecost and got saved and went in Pentecost, my wife was a Methodist, and I knew that she was not going to accept Pentecost because I'd been in their service where they shouted and praised God and put their hands up and spent time in the altar. In fact, we used to start the service in the altar. We'd pray 10 to 15 minutes for the service. But my mother called her and said to her, I want, when she found out I got saved, she said, I want y'all to come to my church. Well, I'd planned on just going over to the Free Will Baptist because that was a Free Will Baptist preacher that had won me to the Lord. See what I'm saying? Sometimes, even after we get saved, we kind of want to compromise a little bit. But my wife said, well, no, we're, we're going to the, your mother's church. And we got there. And I thought, oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you, the pastor's wife found out that I got saved and she had a son the same age I was that wasn't saved. And I won't tell you, she shouted all over that church. I'm telling you. I mean, we had one of them outpouring. 
And I thought, oh, Lord, this does it. And we went out the door and down the steps. My wife said, this is where we're going to start coming to church all the time. <laughs> Hello? I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will draw you. And it will draw people into the church. Sometimes I think we're just afraid to let God move because we think it might offend somebody. Well, I want to tell you, nothing brings people to God but the move of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what causes them to come down and give their heart to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I don't know where to go by my notes or just preach. But I want us to take a trip in God's Word with two men who did use their ticket. 2 Kings 2, 1 through 10. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went to Bethel. And the sons of the prophet that were at Bethel came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou not that the Lord would take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Just hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Or So they went on to Jericho. And the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou not that the Lord will take away your master from my, thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Just hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the two went on. You know why Elisha refused to stay at any of these cities? We'll talk about him, if Lord will, in just a minute. He knew his ticket destination was on the other side of Jordan. And that's where we are headed for. Because the other side of Jordan is where God raptured him, raptured Elijah. Oh, hallelujah. If you stay on board until the end of the trip, you will have it, not just see it. Now, the sons of the prophets stood afar off, and they saw it. They saw what took place. But only Elisha had a desire, not only, to have what Elijah had, but he wanted a double portion of the Spirit of God that was upon Elijah. Let me tell you something. We are in the last days. 
And I, I don't know how actually to say this, but I, I want to tell you that we're going to need more in the last days than the last generation needed because this is the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Now, you may not believe it, but he is coming. Hallelujah. And I believe he's coming in this generation. It might be the next 15 years. I don't know. But I do know one thing. He is coming back. And to live in this ungodly, I might offend somebody, but I'm going to say it anyway. With this demon crap. House of Representatives that we got that's trying to bring this nation down and be like Europe. I had a good conversation with Bobby Sylvester this last week, and he had been a lot of times. He spent a lot of time over there working. He goes overseas working, and I want you to pray for Bobby. But he told me what Europe was like. He said, I'm going to tell you one thing. I went in a restroom, and I was standing there using the restroom, and here comes a woman walking in. And he said, why are you in here? She said, this is a unisex bathroom. He said, I got out of there as quick as I could. I'm telling you, that Europe, and you listen to me, Europe is the old Roman Empire, most of the old Roman Empire, where the Antichrist is going to set up his kingdom, and the devil has got Europe ready for it. But I want to tell you, the church in America can stop it as far as we're concerned by having everything in our heart that God wants us to have. I don't know where I am. I'm just turning pages. See, there's a lot of people that do get on the train. In Elijah's, in Elijah's life, there were three stops before they reached their destination. And it was three cities. Elijah had three schools of prophet in each one of these cities. Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. Now there's a lot of history on every one of them. But when we read the accounts of each one of these stops, one would think that Elijah did not want Elisha to go with him because he said, stay here. What he was doing was just testing him and seeing how far he wanted to go with him, and that's the other side of Jordan. Come on. I'm here to tell you, and when I get to it, I go if I get to it, but, but when we get that double portion of the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives, God will fill this church up. Come on. I've often thought we got 12 acres down there, and I thought, well, maybe we may have stayed. We may have to build a bigger church. I don't know. But I'm not after numbers. I'm after souls. <laughs> Hallelujah. A lot of churches are after souls. They make it so easy. 
Stay here in Gilgal. You know what a Gilgal was all about? It was a wonderful place. It was the first place that God removed the great hindrance for Israel and brought them in to the promised land. This is where the river of Jordan stopped running and Israel for the second time walked over on dry land. Amen? Sound like a good place, don't it? This is a place where God commanded that they take 12 stones from the bottom of Jordan River and place them up on a heap where when men saw that heap, they'd say, what does that mean? They said, this is where God opened up the Jordan River and we came over on dry ground. This was Israel's home base of operation for about five years to fight the next battles. After the battles, they moved on deeper and deeper in the territory of the enemy, winning battle after battle. But at times, maybe when the battles became hard, many of them might have went back to rest up. I don't know. Sometimes we find ourselves backing up instead of staying with the battle. We always need to remember greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. Hallelujah. You can't fight him, but that Holy Spirit in you can fight him and defeat the devil every time. Not just sometimes, but every time. But we have to wait on God sometimes. I'm not saying there's not any thing wrong with looking back and seeing our history. I can't, I, I bought a lot of books, and in fact, a couple of God spoke to me driving down the road, told me to go get them. I didn't even know one of them exists. But when I got over there to the place he sent me, they were there. And I gave them away. Be careful about giving your books away because somebody won't return them to you. <laughs> Hello? Mm. I love to read about our forefathers. I really do. Smith Wigglesworth. How many didn't know who Smith Wigglesworth was? Let me see your hand. Well, I tell you, he was a boy that they put in a factory at the age of six years old, and he worked in the factory till, he be, till God called him to preach. He could not even read, never learned to read. And when he got saved, his wife began to teach him how to read the Bible, and that's all he ever read. He never read anything but the Bible. And God began to use Smith Wigglesworth in great and powerful and wonderful ways. It's recorded that he raised 14 people from the dead. One man, his neighbor, who had been witness to him when he got home, his wife said, I'm next door. 
Mr. So-and-so was sick, and when he got over there, his wife came to the door and said, it's too late, he's gone. And he said, it ain't never too late with God. And went in the bedroom and raised him from the dead. Now, I know that's hard for some of us to believe that God raises the dead, but Jesus did. And he said, the works I do, you do, and greater works will you do because I go to my Father. He's interceding for us today. I'm telling you, he'll go farther with you than you want to go with him. He'll meet your every need. Smith Wigglesworth, Assembly of God preacher. Charles Finney, a Presbyterian, a lawyer, right opposite from what Smith Wigglesworth was. He was an attorney. And he could sing and he led music in his church, but he wasn't saved. And something began to happen in his community because around the community there was a wooded area. And people would go up there to pray and God would do great things. Even sinners would go up there and pray and God would give them salvation. So one day God got to dealing with Smith Wigglesworth, I'm mean, excuse me, Charles Finney. And he decided he'd go up into the woods. And he left about lunchtime. And God got a hold of him. And he got back about 5 o'clock. Saved. Knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. You should read his book, his autobiography. It's just amazing how God changed him. And that night... When he went to bed, God baptized him in the Holy Spirit. Think about it. He wasn't in the assemblies of God or the church of God. Aren't you glad that God is not limited to a church? Hallelujah. That night, God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. And man, he was really on fire. And he woke up the next morning and started to doubt it. That happens sometimes. God got a hold of him again. God had a plan for him. God, God had a journey for him to get on the train and go. And God filled him with the Holy Spirit and it stayed so long and so strong, he repented and said, God, I'm sorry that I doubt it. I know it's, I know it's you. And God believed him. If you don't know his life story, he run revivals everywhere. Thousands and thousands of people come to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he used his ticket. And he got on the train with Jesus. And he carried him all over the uh, northeast, carried him to Europe, different places like that. And thousands and thousands of people got saved. Well, you said, well, if it wasn't him, it been somebody else. Really? 
You know, sometimes God got us a sign to win souls of certain people. So we'll invite them to church. And it ain't nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it takes prayer. And sometimes it takes fasting. I know we in America don't like to fast. We like to eat. Hello? Catherine Coolman, a woman. I tell you, I've heard preachers. I don't believe in women preachers. Really? Let me tell you something about Catherine Coolman. First of all, I'm going to tell you that Brother Abrams that spoke to us last week, Catherine Coolman was running a revival, and his mother had cancer. She was Catholic. And his daddy was Jewish. And this woman said to her, you know, I, there's a woman over in, in the city that's uh, preaching, and they say that a lot of people's getting healed. So she said, why not? And she went. And God saved her. And God healed her. She was ninety-nine years old when she passed away. Well, that's a train ride, don't you think? <laughs> Hallelujah. Out of that, Brother Abram and his brother got saved, and both of them have been missionaries, and their brothers passed away, but there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. friends of mine went with him to South America. And they said that people would come. They had an open field. They had a place built, but it was an open field. And people would come and stand all day in the hot sun to make sure they had a place. Now today, if the air conditioner's not working, we might want to call off the service. They stand out there in that hot sun because they had a need and they knew God would meet that need. I'm going to tell you two instances, and I said it here a while back, but Brother Craig, most of you might know him. He used to be here, but he pastors down the road here. One of my best friends. Brother Craig told me, he said, I saw multitudes of people being healed. He said, but the outstanding one was a man brought his sons up, all five of them, and they were deaf and dumb. And he said, Brother Abram said, and before they left, they were saying words. God opened their ears and loose their tongues. Now, I want to ask you something. 
What if Sister Abram didn't go over to the revival? What if that woman hadn't said to her, Oh, I've got to make another way. No, that's God's way. We don't wait for God to change his way. We do what God tells us to do. And she went and was healed. Hallelujah. Two sons run revivals around the world. Brother Abram's brother told me to, that he was going into Russia. And it was the time when Russia still had control of everything, or the government did. And he said that the Bible institution told him they wanted him to take some Bibles in that was in Russia. And he said, oh, that don't be no problem. I'll put them in my suitcase. I'm flying in. They won't, they won't catch your stuff when you're flying in. He said, but I'm telling you, if you are crossing the border and that Bible uh, class told him, don't go through the border. Well, his, his uh, flight got canceled. So he said, I really was relieved a little bit because now I knew that I could put them Bibles away and not have to carry them. But God said, no, you carry those Bibles. And he said he put them in his overcoat. He put them in his baggage and everything. And he said, sure enough, sure enough. And he stopped. The guards had everybody to come off. Everybody unload their things. And he said there were two of them. And he said, they uh, was opening and looking. He thought, oh, man, I'm going to be in jail. But he said, when, he said when they got to him, the guy was going to try to open his set his fingers. He started to bleed. Come on. Don't take God much, you know that? And the guy started trying to stop the bleeding. He put hold it down to turn it off. It'd still be pouring blood. And Brother Abram said there was two guards there, and they had red things around their arms. But he said, they told him, get back on the bus. And he said, out of nowhere came another guard. But he didn't have the red mark around him. And he spoke gently to him. other brother said there's not a doubt in my mind that that wasn't the angel of God and they got those Bibles into the hands of the churches in Russia let me tell you something you listen to me even though they had when they attended church they had to rent uh, be in a certain class building couldn't have a big crowd they'd take three hours going in walking down where they wouldn't know what was going on go in. But when Russia fell, when communism fell there, they found out 
that there were thousands and thousands of Christians and many, many, many of them had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when all that got out, there was a church, I won't call the denomination, it wasn't ours, but they went over and brought a lot of money with them to pay them to be part of their church. And the leaders of that church said, well, come back tomorrow and we'll give you our answer. Now, I know this for a fact because I know a friend of mine had become the overseer of Russia as a mission, missionary, and he was with them. And he said, I didn't agree with that at all. So they come back the next day and brought their money, and they said, are you going to take it? And they said, why do you think we need your money when we're been accommodating for 60-something years and God saved souls and filled souls with the Spirit of God? That's a problem with a lot of churches today. They're interested in numbers, and they're interested in money. I don't know when I quit. It's just 15 and 12 now. But I know this. Running ain't a verify. When we got here, there were 23 people. Five came to me. There was 28. God started adding to the church. I've started churches, helped build the building, and I can't tell you the doors I knocked on. But I'm here to tell you I have never one time went anywhere and knocked on a door, never felt like I should, but God added to this church. People started coming in, and we guys started having a pretty good crowd. And so I said, I'm going to see how many people we got today. And I got about halfway through, and God rebuked me silently, I mean softly. He said, it's not about numbers. It's about souls. People say, how many are you running? I don't know. You know, this ain't Jerry Langford's church. This is God's church. Jesus purchased it with his blood. That's what we have to do. We have to honor him. He said, and the Lord added to the church daily such that should be saved. Oh, thank God. We have battles today. But we can't stay at Gilgal. Gilgal represents an easy place for Christian living. Even when they went into the promised land and God opened up Jordan at that particular location and, and brought them over on dry land, some of them wanted to stay on the other side. Because it was good for their cattle. They had a lot of grass and their sheep and everything was wonderful. And Moses said, well, 
If you want to stay here, you stay here, but you're still going to fight battles. So they had to go to war. Come on. I'm going to tell you, I don't care where you think you want to stay. You're going to have battles. And you need to know that the Lord is our right hand, and he fights our battles if we'll just seek him like he tells us to. I had a lot I wanted to say about them, but I ain't going to have time. So they got to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. This was a place where Jacob first had an encounter with God. He was running from Esau, his brother. We know the story, hey, how, what all God did with him that night. He went on in, but 25 years later, he came back to the same place. And God met him again. The Bible said he wrestled with the Lord all night. You ever wrestled with him? <laughs> what I mean by wrestling is when he wants us to do something, and we wrestle not to do it. I don't know if that was the case of Jacob. But Jacob said to the Lord, I'm not going to turn you loose till you bless me. And he blessed him. He threw his hip out of joint. And he walked like this everywhere he walked. One thing about him, you see him coming, he knew who he was. Hello. Sometimes we get mixed up on the blessing. Sometimes we think it means a relief and good things. And sometimes God may put her hip out of joint. Amen? Next is Jericho. And I'm going to do my best to quit at 12 o'clock. Next is Jericho. That's a place of war. The first battle was there. That's where God tore down all the walls of the enemy. Did you know the, the enemy has walls he keeps up keeping you from getting to him? But you can get to him through prayer and through prayer and through fasting. I know we don't like that word fasting. When I was at this church for a little while. God called me to fast. And I felt like it would be 21 days. In 11 days, God said, quit fasting. Now I want you to spend the rest of the time in prayer. And I said, oh, God, I, I'm going to tell you, when you get to that seventh or eighth day, you lose your hunger. I want to be boastful and say that I fasted 21 days. Hello? But God didn't let me do it. But I'm telling you, fasting is necessary today if we do it in the right way. Isaiah talked about Israel when they fasted. They didn't do it in the right way. You're supposed to do it in secret the best you can. 
and you're supposed to pray while it's going on, and you do it for God's glory and not ours. The walls of the enemy must fall as it did in Jericho. See, we're always running from him and trying to get away from him and try to keep him from bothering us when God wants us to go after him and go at him. Come on. When you see a stronghold, if it's in somebody else's life, you go after it in prayer, in fasting. Do whatever God tells you to do to do it. Got to pull the walls down. Somebody's got to fight the battle. If it's not us, who? If it's not now, when? One of our biggest problems is put God out. I think sometimes we're afraid he might call us to preach. But if he calls you, he'll qualify you. I remember when God told me to go in a closet, and there's a big closet. You heard me tell us before that me and my wife lived in a two-room apartment. There was a kitchen, a living room, and a bed that pulled out. But they had a big closet. $10 a week we'd pay for that. Now, don't think too much because I tell you, if you made $100 a week, you're doing good. But nevertheless, he says, go in the closet and pray. I went in there and I prayed. He said, prepare yourself. I'm calling you to preach. You know what I told God? I said, God, I can't even stand up and testify. How in the world am I going to preach? Now, some of you are wondering when I'm going to shut up. Amen. There's battles to be fought and to be won. But thank God it's not all about fighting the battles. Elijah said, stay here, Elisha. And Elisha answered him and said, as long as the Lord lives and my soul lives, I will not stay here. I found myself staying in a place too long. God wanted me to move up, getting closer. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's not but one gift I think is better than that. It is salvation. But he gives us the baptism of the Holy Spirit to help us live in this ungodly world. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. What Paul said. We don't even know what to pray for. But you know, if we pray in the Holy Spirit in another language that we don't know, and by the way, the Holy Spirit knows all of them. And we pray. We might not know what he's praying, but I can tell you this much. We know God hears him. And I got news for you. The Holy Spirit knows more about us than we know about ourselves. What I'm trying to say to you, we need to be fully equipped 
with all that God has. There's one other place he must go. And when he left, he went over. He went to the other side. I don't know about you, but that's where I'm headed. I want to go to the other side. I got a little bit on some of you because I'm old and you're young. But that really doesn't mean that the Lord won't call you. But I want to go to the other side, and that's what Elisha wanted me to do. I got five minutes. But I'm here to tell you that Elijah took off his mantle and he folded it, and for the third time, he smote the river of Jordan, and it opened up. And they went over on dry land. And he asked a question. He said to Elijah, I want a double portion of what you have. We're going to need more people. We're going to need more than what we got. He said, I want a double portion. He said, well, You've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go up, it'll be given to you. And they walked on, and then here comes a chariot of fire driven by horses that don't look like they're on fire, and it separated them. And a whirlwind come and picked up Elijah and took him into heaven. One thing happened. Elijah dropped his mantle. And Elisha went over and got that mantle. Now he didn't say, Well, I wonder if this will fit me. He didn't say, well, You know, I don't like the pants on this. No, he didn't. He didn't, he didn't question it. But he took, he took that same mantle and walked over to the river of Jordan and he smote the water. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smote that water and that water parted. I'm going to close with this right here. You gotta remember what Paul wrote in the Bible about every other chapter if they find it. <laughs> but he smote it and he walked over on dry land. And he did, he like one miracle doing. Twice what Elijah had done. Like one. And I know probably what some of them come in the clock says, Oh, he said he's going to have twice as many. Well, one day they were in battle and this man got killed. They went up to the graveyard with him because they knew he was pursuing. And they threw him in on Elijah's body. 
and he come back alive. Come on. So I'm going to tell you, if God says he's double, it'll be double. Amen. And this is something I'm going to close with. Your life that you live can have effect on people after your death. I, I'll tell you, I could sit here and name you a lot of people that's gone on to be with Jesus. And I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had them in my life to teach me and show me the way I need to go. Associate pastor said, I want you to preach Wednesday night. My pastor's out of town. I said, preach? He said, yeah. That's after God had told me that. So I went home. And I said, God, what do you want me to preach? And he said, John 3.16. I said, God, every kid in the church knows John 3.16. He said, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth shall not perish but have everlasting life. Stand with us today, if you will. And I made it. It's 12 o'clock. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to come down and find Jesus Christ. It's not hard. All you have to do is say words like this. Lord, I'm a sinner. I want you to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ. sinners because they have so many problems and they don't have anybody to help them. But when you join the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a helper. So while they sing, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I want you to come on up. I'm not going to ask for anybody else. I just want you to know if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you need to find him. Change your life forever. Warning, Brother Stewart. Warning, changes. This man gave his heart to the Lord over a year ago. He was bound by alcohol. And God delivered him. Saved him and delivered him. And he's been such a help in our church. Isn't that wonderful? So if you don't know him, I'm going to invite you to come back.